episode 687 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Wednesday, May 15th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I am flying solo today. And I'm talking pitching, uh, which is what I love to do. This is just going to be kind of a, a general show on pitching. What I think I'm going to do is kind of go through the teams, team by team here, and kind of discuss the state of their rotation. Uh, obviously, some teams are going to get more time than others. You know, Dodgers obviously could spend a few minutes on Baltimore. It's probably going to be a quick hitter. Sorry, Baltimore fans, but, uh, you know, how, how much time do I, do I really have to spend on David Hess or uh, somebody named Jay Rogers that you have slotted in here? Who even is that? Josh Rogers. Don't know. Him. Fake player. Doesn't exist. Not allowed to use fake players. You cannot just create players in MLB The Show and put them on your team, Baltimore, and say that they're in, in the game now. Like, that's just not how it works but let's start at the top with Arizona they've been off to a pretty solid start I think they're like 23 and 20 so far this year the offense has been pretty sharp but the pitching has been a a key component to the success and kind of has them right in the mix of things at least in a wild card scenario there uh right now obviously you're not getting too hung up on division and wild card right now on May 15th but uh, the Dodgers have a pretty healthy lead, and we all expect them to maintain it. So the Diamondbacks and Padres and Rockies are kind of fighting it out. They've got four-fifths of their rotation in Arizona that's pretty good. Zach Godley is a non-factor. He should not be considered in any format right now. Um, I, I don't even think he's in the rotation. I do see he is tentatively penciled in for Saturday. Um, why aren't they giving John Duplantier some reps? I love that guy, dude. Watching him pitch. Is so fun. I'm not sure if he's back up on the roster now. He's been back and forth. It's been hard. I've been trying to jump on him and, and get the jump early as far as like buying a prospect on the cheap in, in some of my NFBC leagues. And I remember the one weekend where it looked like he was up or he was up. He was called up. He went back down that day right before bids went off. And I would have wasted some some money on him in my league. And I'm glad I didn't, even as a stash, because I just don't have first off. We've been seeing him get used out of the bullpen. This is John Duplantier, a prospect for the Diamondbacks I'm talking about. Um, we don't even know that he's a guaranteed starter. So even the the you know five, six bucks that I was going to throw on him, that price wouldn't be egregious, but the roster spot at this point is important. And so anyway, they've got four guys that you're really considering in, in most formats. Three guys are, are flat out all formats right now. You're pretty much starting them regardless. That's Luke, Zach Grinke, Robbie Ray, and Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver's really played himself up. This was somebody that we talked about in the preseason that really uh, had, had fallen off the radar completely. And I think that was a bit egregious. Uh, because he was so hyped up last year coming into the season like a top 30 starter, which I thought was egregious on the other end, to be quite honest. Um, And then he had the poor season. He had kind of a near five ERA. By the way, I'm just going to do a quick little detour. Jonathan Lucroy just hit a double, and he has a home run already today. The rebirth of Jonathan Lucroy is, is not getting enough love. He's now hitting 269, which is nice. He has six homers. Interesting, man. I mean, and, and second base has been, or excuse me, uh, uh, catcher's been such a wasteland that he's he's all formats considerable right now uh i, I don't think con- considerable is the right word there but he's an all formats consideration anyway back to the diamondbacks sorry for the tangent i have the twins angels game on right now and i just noticed that that extra base hit but uh luke weaver yeah you know he goes uh he gets traded in the paul goldschmidt deal he uh he, he's kind of a forgotten guy going after pick 300 and it's like well wait a minute we had all this excitement about him he had a tough season we know prospect growth isn't linear etc cetera, etc cetera. if you believed in him at all last year 
you should have been back in on this price at the very least, hoping that you could be like a 410 ERA type of guy. He's beating that by a run right now. 316 ERA, uh, 111 whip. Strikeouts are up, which I really like to see out of uh, out of Luke Weaver with support. That was kind of my deal going into 18 was that he had this gaudy strikeout rate with no real support for it. A 29% mark with a 9.6% swinging strike rate just doesn't add up. No matter how much you try to finagle and say, okay, you know, strikeout rate uh, or swinging strike rate can be 2.5x as a rough you know, 2 to 2.5x. If you if you multiply your swinging strike rate by 2 to 2.5 times you can get a rough idea on what their expected k rate could be and even at the high end there that's 24 percent. so he was beating it by five clicks and it just didn't make sense so then he comes in you know everything comes crashing back to earth the homers go up the hits go up it all went sideways the third pitch development just really didn't come through for luke weaver and he had a rough season gets traded becomes an afterthought we've talked about it a million times on the show on how if you're a prospect and you don't go off you're forgotten and so I don't know why uh, we continue to make that mistake, we being the the royal we as as a fantasy community, but I wasn't going to make that mistake. So I got some Luke Weaver shares. Pretty happy with how it's going so far. That third pitch development is coming along this year. There has been the growth that we were kind of projecting on to 2018. It's coming through now a year later. And it happens a lot, right? We're always, uh, not always, we're, we're often a year too early on, guys. <coughs> Luis Castillo. But um, it happens. But you got to stay the course unless something has drastically changed with that player. And I didn't really see that for Luke Weaver. So um, he's been great. I mentioned Grinky. You know, don't really have to go too deep on him. He just continues to get it done. He comes into spring every year throwing like 54 mile per hour fastballs. Everyone says, is this the year? Don't want to be caught holding the hot potato. Something that I do understand to a degree, right? He's 35 years old. It's better to be out a year early than a year late, of course. Like that all that all makes sense. And yet with somebody like Zach Greinke, um, yeah, I think he's had enough of a track record to say, okay, well, I'm still going to continue to to trust this. Now, next year it's going to be even another step harder. And if he has another good year at age 36, it'll be even a step harder. So I get how all that's working. Like I, I understand all of that. Uh, but he's been great. Uh, Robbie Ray is still absolutely maddening. Um, I... I He's an all-formats guy because of the strikeouts, and right now he has a 3.14 ERA. I'm not betting on it to maintain, though. He's somebody who makes me nervous all the time. Watching him pitch can be maddening. It's a bad whip. It's a 132 whip. So you're getting the ERA and strikeouts. Listen, there are four components for a starter, right? Wins, ERA, whip, and strikeouts. You don't have to get all four for somebody to be an all-formats play. The strikeouts that Robbie Ray gives is usually enough unless the ERA gets too high to make him pretty darn close to an all formats play. At least he needs to be on a roster in all leagues because of his, his potential. Uh, well, this year he's clicking though. He's, he's, he's pitching well, despite the walks, the hits are down, which, you know, it's a trade-off then 132 whip. It's not good, but give me the ERA, give me the strikeouts. Three wins is fine. That's right in line, you know, with, with where guys should be. I, I think who has the most wins right now? I don't even know that offhand. I'm sure some of you are probably saying it off the top of your head, but I really don't know. I'm, I'm clicking to find out. Hang on. Clickety-click-click. 
Somebody probably has like eight. Domingo Herman. I think I did know that. I swear I almost said Domingo Herman with six, but he has seven, and then there's four guys with six. I wish I'd have just said it. I wish I would have just gone with my gut. I was like, I think I heard somewhere that Domingo Herman has it, but I didn't say it, so it doesn't count. I'm a loser. Anyway, moving on. That that's uh, that, that's the Arizona team there. Uh, wait, did I talk about Merrill Kelly? Am I already forgetting what I talked about here? This is absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, he's been pretty good. I think he's somebody that uh, he's so close to, you know, kind of getting going. He's finding his footing. He's, he's he's coming back over to the states. He has one really bad start, kind of holding his numbers down a bit for inning seven runs at Tampa Bay. I think you kind of uh, look and everything around that. You say, okay, it's one disaster start. A couple crummy ones thrown in there too. It's not like it's seven gems in one dud. There's a couple other duds. Like at Chicago, he only lasted, he only gave up three runs, but he only lasted three and three and two thirds and gave up seven walks. So let's call it two mega duds. Um, and then one, two, three, four, five solid outings. And then a mediocre outing. This is for uh, this is for Merrill Kelly here. So he's been pretty good. I think he's somebody that you have to consider. If he's still on your waiver wire, uh, depending on league depth here, if we're talking like a ten teamer, you, you stream him for for two start weeks. Twelve teamer, I think you got to kind of keep him on the roster and maybe go between your reserve and starting. You don't necessarily throw him back into the pool because I think I think there could be a little bit more here. I. I you know, he's on that fringe in 12 team. I will say that. Not somebody I'm, I'm like, if Merrill Kelly is out there right now and you're comfortable with your with your staff, stick with your staff. But if you're the one of those guys that's scraping and really trying to figure some things out, you might bring him on board. He gets, uh, he gets San Francisco on Friday and then goes to San Diego next Wednesday. And that's not that's not a bad setup there. You know, the San Diego team is not bad. They're not like old San Diego where you just attack, attack, attack. But going into San Diego, it's not a terrible setup there for somebody like Merrill Kelly. So, you know, he's a, he's a fringe consideration. Uh, he did have a five-inning, four-run, five-strikeout game against them. If you streamed that and that's what you got, you would not be thrilled by it, but it wouldn't be the end of the world either. Uh, all right, moving on to Atlanta. I'm not sure that I can do 10 minutes per team, and that would be pretty bad. So if we start to get to that degree, I might have to go, maybe I should just make the decision now. Should I go ALN? Maybe I just go top half, bottom half, and we mix ALNL together. I don't know. We're going to have to see how it's going, because I feel like Baltimore, I'm just going to be like, John Means is halfway decent, boom, moving on. You know, So we'll, we'll see, but Atlanta's a team that's definitely going to get a little bit more time here too, because they have a really intriguing rotation that uh, probably has three all formats guys let me see here eh. yeah i i still think kevin gosman needs to be on a roster in every league 26 percent strikeout rate with a 13 percent swing strike rate to support it i know the era is at 450 but again we need to stop looking at a 450 era as this god-awful era it's not something that you would want a full season of in fantasy i understand that but there's a reason that six and three, six innings, three runs is a quality start because you're in the game. Like it is a quality start. It makes sense. I know people push back on it and say, well, 450 ERA is not quality. It actually is though. And if that, if that, if you are consistently doing that, you're keeping your team in the game. That we have a different threshold for fantasy. But if you can kind of have your good starts, um, and then you know you'll throw in a stinker every once in a while because everyone does. But then your your mediocre starts are in that six and three range. That's not bad. Let me take a look at Gosman's 
uh, game log here and see where he's at. Is, is he just doing like six and three every time out? I'm sure he isn't. Like nobody's that consistent. Oh, he's on the IL right now. I'm a doofus. I totally forgot that he was nicked. Oh, no, no. He's serving a suspension. There it is. Okay. I was like, why Why is he not showing up here? Um, he's serving a suspension. Yeah. And what it is for him is it's actually been gem, meh, gem, garbage, garbage, gets kicked out because he's an idiot throwing baseballs at people, garbage, gem. So, yeah. Gosman needs to still be on a roster in every league. So does Mike Soroka. So does Max Freed. I've really come around on Max Freed. Uh, the swing strike rate continues to inch up. He has three pitches now. My main concern with him was a, being a two-pitch guy. I'm like, I just don't really see it. You know, where the strikeout's going to come from. It was Nick Pollock in one of our firesides that really brought me on board to say, hey, hey, you got to give him a look there and talk about that slide piece coming through. And he has been using it consistently. Double-digit usage in each of his last four games. Um, so he does have a three-pitch mix right now. The swinging strike rate's really going up. And it's at 13, 14, dipped down to 6% for a game, and then six back up to 16 his last time out. So those are three all-formats guys. Fulty, I want nothing to do with. But, Paul, you put him in your must-start in your last ranking. I understand. That's because you paid the premium for him. You waited on him. I felt you needed to start him to kind of see where he was at. And we see where he's at right now. Um, I, I'm I'm sure some of you might disagree with that and say, well, I, I'm not just going to start a guy because of what I paid for him. I mean, you, you paid for him because of what, because of how good he was. And I didn't think that one uh, mediocre start out of the gate, like his best start was the first one. And I published the rankings before his second start. So after a six inning, four run outing with five strikeouts, I was, it wasn't evident that Mike Fultonevich was was trash right now. I'm not saying he is for the rest of the season, but like right now, it wasn't clear that he you didn't want anything to do with him. He's had three starts after that, and now he won't be... I mean, he's going to be in the rankings, but it's going to be like DSS, Deep League Spot Starting. And I've been leery of him. I was leery of him coming into the season with the health. I think... I, I would like to cut him in leagues, but I think that that might be knee-jerk because you have to give him some allowance for health, and he might even go back on the IL, in which case you could put Fulty back on your fantasy IL, and you could you could kind of wait it out that way. But I just, I don't know. He was, he was great last year, but it was something that I just, I never fully believed. And this was as a former Fulty believer, I saw it. I enjoyed it last year, but I was still kind of suspect. And yet, uh, and yet, here we are. And it's been, uh, it's been, it's been brutal. It's been unquestionably brutal. Ten teamer, you're cutting him. Twelve teamer, you're probably cutting him if faulty. If you have, say, like three reserves, maybe five. You're even on the fringe. If you have a deeper reserve, you can kind of hang on. 15 team, I think you still have to reserve because the upside is still there. I have to acknowledge, you know, that we do still have a 183 inning season of excellence last year with uh, 202 strikeouts. You can't just go throwing that back into the pool willy nilly. So, 15 team, I think you still reserve unless you're in a total bind. If you're like an NFBC and you have six injured guys and one one guy who's healthy but it's not even a pitcher but you have to hang on to those injured guys and so you're you're you 
don't really have the room to reserve Fulte. I could understand moving on from there. But otherwise, I think you got to stick it out. I love Mike Soroka. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time kind of going over the fact that I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I really was a fan last year around this time when uh, when he was like a big fantasy pickup. I was kind of counting on him to be a, a game changer for me. I went and splurged big in, in the uh, fab market and then injury struck and, and derailed the season. And it was brutal. It really sucked. And so I remember he came back from injury through six scoreless, like a one hitter, two hitter, something like that. And it's like, here we go. Next outing, brutal. And he was done for the year. He was done in mid-June. And so, um, but yeah, he looks healthy again. He looks great. He's really picking up kind of where the expectations left off last year. I'm not saying a 121 ERA is what we're going to get. But if we got a low to mid three ERA the rest of the way from Mike Soroka, that would not surprise me at all question uh a viable question to ask is innings count like what are they going to do with a 21 year old like mike soroka the answer is i don't know i really don't they're contenders i'm not sure that they can afford to just kind of uh shut him down you know he threw 153 innings back in 2017 he hasn't come close to that if you add up all of his innings subsequently he threw 30 plus 20 so 55 plus another 30, plus nine. He has 94 innings since the start of 2018 now. But do you go off of what he's done the last two years as far as what you can add to, or, or what he did last year as far as what you can add to, or do you go off of what his peak was, and are you adding to that? So you're taking Mike Soroka's 154 from 2017 and kind of doing a calculation on that, maybe one 1.25, and saying, yeah, he can go a full season. I don't know. They have enough young pitching to space him out, they have to figure a way to get him to the finish line, though, which would include October. So you might miss some starts in August or or he gets like a seven-day rest or something like that or the old phantom IL stint. I don't know. Can't really plan for that stuff right now, though. Mike Soroka's in all formats must start stud at this moment. So I, I, I'm happy to have him, and it's fantastic. All right, so moving on here, let's see. So, yeah, we're at the 18-minute mark. We're almost at 10, 10 minutes per team. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the executive decision. We're going to go half and half. So let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. All right, we're going through to Miami today. And uh, so we're going to do half today, half another time. I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow. In fact, I know it's not, in fact, because I have a pod with Justin and then I have a special guest pod later that night. So it'll probably just be next week's solo. But you know what? I'll do next week's solo on Tuesday. So it'll be a little bit sooner. So that'll it'll be a little bit, you know, we'll have an extra week of, of data to go off of. But that, that's fine. That You know, it doesn't really change anything. So anyway, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do 15 teams today. It was aggressive to think that I could, um, my long-winded ass could go 30 teams and keep it in any sort of manageable uh, time frame there. That's hilarious that I even thought that for a millisecond. Uh, and anyway, I can't move on yet. I still have to talk about Julio Tehran, who's actually been, you know, if I'm going to say that what Kevin Gosman's done is, is worthy of hanging around, 
then I think so is Julio Tehran's because they're basically matching each other, right down to the fact that Julio Tehran has spiked a nice strikeout rate so far with some support from a swinging strike rate that's up at 11% uh, 11 again this year. Same as last year, but this year he's getting more strikeouts. The walks are high for the second year in a row, which is a little interesting to me. I would hope that maybe the hits or the homers could go down with the with the walks going up. It's like, okay, if you're going to be out of the zone more, if you're going to be more careful with your pitching – then why are you still why are you still walking so many? I don't know. But those don't always go hand in hand. I'm wondering here, by the way, I'm still watching this uh, this Minnesota LA game. It's now eight seven. Uh, the the twins are up by one. Top nine, two outs, so they're trying to close it down. Mike Morin is closing it down. Oh, because Blake Parker was used earlier. And then Trevin Hildenberger got murked. Okay, that makes sense. Six seven. Okay. Well, where's Trevor May? Oh, he was used in the sixth. Well, shit. Okay. Well, this is why Mike Morin's co closing it out. Because they use their main guys, Trevor May and Blake Parker. Where's Taylor Rogers? They're facing a lefty right now. I don't know what's going on, guys. This is what happens when you watch a game on mute. You don't know what the hell's going on. And you guys are going to know everything about how this game ended by the time you listen to this. So I apologize. Anyway, Julio Tehran. I think he needs to be on rosters in a lot of leagues. Probably more leagues than he is right now because Julio Tehran, it's like, ah, oh, he sucks. Tell you what, though. He starts today, today being Wednesday the 15th against St. Louis. Then he has a two-start next week where he goes to San Francisco and to St. Louis. That's not a bad two-step because of the at San Francisco alone. You could get the gem there and then a survival start in St. Louis. I'm eager to see how he does against St. Louis tonight. It won't be an indicator of how Tehran would do against them the next time. There was a study at Beyond the Box score a few years back where a guy starts against a team twice in a short period of time, you know, because the way the schedule can work. Sometimes you play them within a week or like within 10 days. That's up the middle and ball game. Otani grounds out to finish it off. Um, but it's, it, it's shown that there's no rhyme or reason. If you're a beast in the first start, you're not necessarily going to be a beast in the next one. If you get crushed by the team the first time, you won't necessarily get crushed the second time. There is just, there's nothing to it. It's their two individual starts just so happens to be the same team. So we won't get anything out of this start for Tehran tonight against St. Louis, but it would be nice to see him, you know, hold his own. Actually, I'll tell you what, you know, I don't want him to get pummeled. Uh, I don't root for guys to just get, you know, blitzed for no reason. But if he was just kind of blah, but still kept the strikeouts, like say let's let's say six innings, four runs, six or seven strikeouts, you know that's that's pretty blah. That's not that's not terrible. But that's that's surviving. Don't don't bring don't bring Tehran up on the radar. You know, keep him off the radar a little bit, and then I swoop in in my leagues where he's still available and pick up Tehran for that two step. But if he goes out and he and he dominates against St. Louis, that's going to be three quality starts in a row. And then people will be like, oh, and he has a two-start next week. Here's the thing. I play in leagues, and you all do too. We all play in competitive leagues, and you're not sneaking guys by. So I'm not going to pretend like people don't know the score with Julio Tehran. Um, and it's a two-start. Anybody two-start with a pulse is going to have some interest. But if he's out there, you, you take a look at Tehran next week for the two-start, and you go with it. I, th I think he should be on rosters in 12-team leagues. 10-team, you're still kind of spot spotting and, and streaming him, and maybe if you use him for the two-start and then cut him for a different two-start that you like, I would understand that. But on 12 and up, Tehran needs to be on a roster. And now I've spent even more time on the Braves, so there's no chance 
I could have gotten all 30 teams. That's hilarious that I ever thought that. Let's go to Baltimore. They have five pitchers, and they do pitch a pitcher every day. Moving on to Boston, we have – okay, fine. I'll do a little bit on Baltimore. John Means, thank you, good sir. You had that two-start week that set up. Then it got rained out. It got pushed into a two-start week. The following week, I stuck with you, and you survived, and I appreciate that. Where the hell have your strikeouts gone, though? Um, there was there was a big swinging strike rate and strikeout rate early. It's almost as if those things are volatile still. Even even skills based situations like that are are still volatile early in the year, especially for somebody like John Frickin' Means. Hmm, who knew? At any rate, last week in a two step. On the 6th and the 12th, that was a Monday-Sunday two-step there for John Means. Handles Boston, seven innings, one run. Only four punchies, but I'm not. I'm 0% complaining, mind you. But the strikeouts were why I got him. I thought, okay, this guy's got a big strikeout rate. He's got that big changeup. Let's see here. But I'll take the 7-1, and one, to be honest. I would have taken it with one strikeout with the way my ratios are going in the main event. And then he goes 6-1 and one, uh, with another four punchies against L.A. So two home starts there. Does pretty well. Doesn't really get the swinging strikes going. That's okay, though. He had 16 swinging strikes in, let's see, how many pitches was that? In 206 pitches. That's only an 8%. That's rounding up, too, for John Means. So it's really come back to earth. He's now down to a 16% swinging strike rate. Yet the 261 ERA and 103 whip is still appealing with John Means. I don't know. He goes to Cleveland this weekend. Another start that I'm intrigued by but then to Colorado the week after so if you want to use John Means this weekend at Cleveland there's still a team that you can that you can go against I think they're especially bad against lefties and John Means is indeed a southpaw let me look up that uh, that info real quick on the verse lefties situation verse lefties bada bing bada boom you can do this on our splits leaderboard by the way Chris Archer just gave up a two-run homer to Eduardo Escobar Archer getting absolutely blitzed in his return from the IL. That's now seven runs. Meanwhile, Eduardo Escobar has been fantastic for the D-backs. That D-backs offense, baby. They've been great. Anyway, uh, back to the matter at hand. Cleveland against lefties. Yeah, they're 22nd in WRC+, plus, but perhaps more importantly, they have a 29% strikeout rate, which is second worst to only Tampa Bay, who has a 31%. So John Means might actually get the strikeouts going a little bit too. So a decent start here. You use him for that, and then you're gone. You don't even consider John Means until he comes back on the on the radar with another two-start perhaps, which could actually be that follow following week the week starting um that would be the week starting may 27th i believe let me take a look here i mean it's undecided like that nothing's filled in on on the chart i'm looking at here and uh actually no it might not match up until the week after that anyway i'm getting way too far ahead of myself here on trying to project john freaking means his two start weeks the bottom line is Use them for this week. Move on. As far as the rest of Baltimore, did you know? Did you know this factoid? Wait, isn't a factoid something that's like not fully true? I think that's what what we just use the word factoid as like fact. I think it's something, an assumption or speculation that is reported and repeated so often that it becomes accepted as fact. Yeah, something that's like it's not even a hundred percent accurate. So anyway, I misused that word. I am stupid uh but did you know i mean maybe this is a factoid because it's not really true but did you know that andrew kashner 
has been doing kind of well lately. So yeah, maybe Factoid is kind of perfect for that because he has positive results. He has a 367 ERA and a um, and 26 strikeouts in 20 in 20 uh, 27 innings. But is it true that he's a good pitcher with a 115 whip in that same time? No. So it is a factoid. I did use it right. In fact, if you just lop off the demolition at at, at Yankee Stadium, six runs in four innings for Kashner, he has a 329 in his subsequent 38 and the third innings spanning seven starts. So it would be a factoid to say that Andrew Kashner is good, though, because it's like partly true, but not really true. Um, I do not trust this. I trust this literally 0%. And he has a two-start next week against the, the aforementioned Yankees and then two Colorado. L-O-L. Use that. I dare you. I dare you. I freaking dare you. If you use that, if you put that in your league if, and you use him, and you can you can prove it to me. Show me that he's in your roster after the week starts. And so you can't just turn around and, and, and get rid of him. Show me that you're using him in a league. Show me that you're using him in an NFBC league. And I'll buy you a t-shirt from 500level.com. I'll do it. I'll freaking do it. Okay? But you got to show me. You got to prove it. And I'll buy you a freaking t-shirt. You want a freaking t-shirt? I'll buy it for you. Basically giving you $25 to be a dumbass. Hmm? Not a bad deal. Anyway, the rest of this rotation, if you're using it, you must be in an upside-down league where you're trying to lose. Um, the only other guy here that I'm going to give a little talk to to say that you could maybe have rostered, not starting yet, but that you could maybe roster right now in a deep situation. You know, I'm going to say, yes, it's Dylan Bundy. God, I love falling for this. I'm such an idiot. I'm not picking him up. Don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't do it. No, I'm not going to buy you a shirt for picking up Dylan Bundy. No. But he does have 14 strikeouts in his last 17 and third, which isn't even a great rate. I mean, it's not even like so good. It's 7.3 on, on the per nine rate. If I do it on his batter's face to get you strikeout rate, it's 20%. Like, what are we raving about on that? But he does have a three-something ERA in those three starts. What is it? It's a 363. But it's because he shut out. He shut out Tampa Bay for seven in the third. The other starts was five. Uh, the other starts were five innings, four runs at Minnesota. Five innings, three runs against LA. Don't touch Dylan Bundy. Don't do it. Don't do it. And that's the Orioles, guys. I'm I'm not going to spend time on Dan Straley and David Hess and uh, fake guy named Josh Rogers. I mean that that's a generic name. Like you almost fooled me. You almost got me thinking that that's a real player. But uh, that's Tom Murphy's cousin. Get out of here. All right, let's go to Boston now. Talk about what they got going on. And uh, you know, things have changed there. Remember, remember how bad it was. Do you? Do you remember? Um, if you're a Boston hater, your memory might be getting a little hazy, which uh, I'm not. That makes it sound like I'm some Boston fan, like, ha I'm so glad our team got going. No, no, I, I don't I don't root for Boston. But uh, there was definitely some like, oh, they're done. They suck. They're the worst. Ah, losers. Ah. 
that did not that did not age well, as as we would say today. Chris Sale's back. What an absolute stud. Uh, I think I mentioned this on the pod. I definitely talked about it in my stream. One of the things that encouraged me with regards to not really giving up on Chris Sale was hearing him talk after the Toronto start. And yes, he did just kind of sound beaten and, and you know, sad that, that things were going so sideways for him. But it just seemed like it, things weren't working. Not that he was toast or, or hurt. And once I felt like I could personally rule that out, and, you know, that's anecdotal, uh, of course, but I just felt like, okay, this isn't somebody that's that's hiding an injury or trying to grind through an injury. It's just somebody that's having uh, a tough time right now, and, and it's been a little bit figured out with, with his stuff not clicking the way he wants. And I'm just going to trust the track record of Chris frickin' Sale to figure it out. And just since that start, it didn't turn on the very next start, but it started to get a little bit better um, when he went against New York in the Bronx, I think he spiked some decent fastballs that, that drove some encouragement. He had six strikeouts in the five innings. And then even against the Tigers where he got the 10 strikeouts in five innings, it was like, okay, that, that was better too, but there's still work to be done with that even. But then since that point, the last four starts, holy Toledo has he been good. He's been Chris Sale, but just take the six starts together and it's 65 punch outs in 38 innings or a 44% strikeout rate if you take the 65 strikeouts against his 148 batters, 261 ERA. Um, he's just been he's just been fantastic. I'll do the whip real quick for you too. That's a, a .84. Chris Sale. What else do I need to say? Uh, David Price has been great. While pitching, he's currently on the IL. It's supposed to be kind of a short stint. Nothing too crazy there. In fact, I believe he's slated to start this weekend against Houston. Not a great team to return against, but you're, you're going with David Price. Um, you know, I, if you're in a weekly league, you, you probably didn't put him in because it's a weekend, maybe. Uh, so if anything, if you have David Price, it'd be great. If you don't have, or if you if you didn't have him in this week, or you don't have the ability to as uh, as a weekly player. To just get this start, see how he looks, feel confident that he's back and ready to go, and then get him in going forward after this. But, you know, with my luck, he'll beast out against Houston, and I'll miss some gem because I didn't know that he was coming back or, or didn't feel confident enough to put him in over somebody that had guaranteed starts. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is somebody who's who's been inferior. Oh, Kyle's here. Look at that. Twins game just ended, and all of a sudden... Uh, we're getting landscaping over here. Kyle, you are quick, man. Must have some like Elon Musk super jet to get here that quickly, though, from Minnesota. Or maybe he left early because he knew he wasn't going to be needed, uh, given that Jake Odorizzi started on the day. I don't know, but he's here, and it's going to sound like a freaking weed whacker is in my office soon, unless he's moving away from me, but I'm, I'm sure he's getting closer. Anyway, back to Eduardo Rodriguez. So maddening, man. I, I vacillate with him so much, and I... I've liked him so, so much as a pitcher in the past. I think I get maybe a little extra angry because I'm like, well, this isn't coming to fruition the way I'd hoped and I really thought he was this. And um, So I, I admit that I might have some some issues there with Eduardo Rodriguez, but he's been fantastic now lately. Um, if you just kind of go, not erase them, you have to count them, but if you just start to look after those first two duds, he hasn't been dud-free. In fact, Oakland, of all teams, has gotten to him twice this year. But in a blemish against Oakland 
is really his only dud over the last six starts, during which Eduardo has a 2.78 ERA and 39 strikeouts in 35 and two-thirds innings. Um, he's got 8, 6, 7, 7, 5, 3, 0, oh, 9, uh, sorry. That was not even planned. I hate. I hate that I did that. But it was eight. It's eight, six, seven, seven, six, five are his strikeout totals in the last six starts for Eduardo Rodriguez. Like I said, the four runs in four and two thirds against Oakland's the real, oh, oh, the real big blemish. It was three earned and five and a third at Tampa Bay too. That's not great. But you got seven and six strikeouts in those outings respectively. So that salvages a start. Eduardo's back to an all formats sort of guy. Um, hopefully you stayed the course with him. I, I, again, I was frustrated at times and I actually don't have shares of him this year, despite, despite how much I have liked him and, and even liked him this year, it just happened to be in a zone where there were other guys that I liked too. And so I, I would, I would often wind up with those guys, but I had him in the usually start tier last time out, you know, despite my frustrations, it's not like I was totally saying, Oh, you know, this guy's worthless. Let's put him in, in the DSS tier. Uh, Rick Porcello, I, I I can't get on board, man. I know that he usually finds a way to get that ERA back down to something respectable. Like enough innings, 191 innings, even of a 428, when you're going to get 17 wins and 190 strikeouts and a 118 whip, I mean, these are his numbers from last year. You take the ERA hit because it's not, it's not a devastating ERA and the strikeouts and the wins um, is great. Uh, are great I should say the strikeouts and wins are great uh, so and, and the whip one, 118 whip is a positive too so there's enough positive there this year we're not we're not there with Porcello but I feel like every time we start to say well you know he's gonna he's, he's, he's trash now he's gonna have a bad year he just goes through these ebbs and flows I think the fact that he doesn't have dominance like anywhere in his game, even last year when he struck out 24%, it was with an 8.7% swinging strike rate. So it didn't feel like he was really dominating. If there's reasons to worry this year, it's the fact that his walk rate's nearly doubled to a career worst 9%. He's never been anywhere near this. He's 5.5 for his career. So the fact that he's up at 9% for Rick Porcello is a little bit nerve wracking. The weird thing though, is that his first pitch strike rate and zone rate are both higher than they were last year. And those are good indicators on walk rate. So I wonder if it's just that early start when he had um, 12 walks in his first three outings. In fact, it, it's, it's definitely that. If you look now over his last five starts, he's been Rick Porcello, 306 ERA with just six walks. So he's going to get there, man. It's not sexy, but he's going to get there and you just kind of set it and forget it with him. I don't really think that Rick Porcello is somebody you should try to curate things with because that's going to be more maddening because you think, oh, let me get this this decent but not great Rick Porcello out for the start against Super Team, whatever that team is. And he throws eight shutout. And then you're like, okay, well, now I'll get him back in. Don't worry. He's going to face the Tigers. And they bust him up. So you just, you just go. If you committed to Rick Porcello before the year, commit and just do it. You know, you just got to You just got to go with it. And uh, so that's where I'm at with him. Uh, let's see. What else do they have in this rotation right now? Covered sale, Rodriguez, Porcello, Price coming back. Oh, and then their fifth starter job. Yeah, you don't want any part of anything they got going there. That's Nathan Eovaldi's spot right now. He's uh, working his way back from a health concern or from health surgery. Excuse me. Yeah, he had a flat out surgery, not just a health concern. 
Let's see. Same surgery he had last year, I think, to remove loose bodies. He did some throwing for the third straight day on Sunday. That was as of May 12th report. He's expected back sooner than he did last season when he missed nearly two months. That's what Alex Cora is saying. It's going to be a while. So, But you don't want anything to do with the fifth starter's role in uh, Boston right now unless they go out and acquire somebody. Remember when I opened the show pretending that I was going to get through this? Uh, get through all the teams in like a timely manner? <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, let's move on to the Cubs here and um, talk about what they got going on. Now, they've got a really interesting rotation as well at this point. Uh, their guys have really played themselves into, what do they got, five all-formats guys right now? Let me see. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Darvish, Darvish, Darvish. That, that's that's a tough scene. I can't I can't sell him on an all-formats play. The other four, though, absolutely. Kyle Hendricks, absolutely out of his mind after getting off to a slow start. He's this is a great case of of trust the track record, relax on the small sample, don't try to just use confirmation bias of like, oh, you know, I never thought he was that good because he's a soft tosser, he sucks. Uh, you know, he had a five forty ERA after his first three starts, throws seven shutout against Arizona, faces them again, going back to my point earlier about facing a team twice in a row, gives up seven in five innings. So you have the mega gem and the mega dud back to back there. But even if you loop that start in, keep that start in there, the bad one, his last five starts for Kyle Hendricks, 195 ERA in 37 innings. Only 31 strikeouts, but that's, I mean, strikeouts aren't his game. If that's what you're looking for, you're barking up the wrong tree from Jump Street. 78, .78 whip in that time, too. He's been absolutely fantastic. Um, John Lester leads baseball in ERA. Hello? Okay. I see you. I see you, Johnny Less. I don't know why I called him Johnny Less. No one calls him that. That's not a nickname. That's very stupid. Um, we're not doing that. Please, nobody ever call him that. I feel very bad for having done that. Uh, is he leading baseball? Or somebody else have a lower one? Wait, why? Does he not have enough innings to qualify because of that IL stint? Oh, come on. He has seven starts. All these guys got like eight or nine. You're one start off and you don't qualify? All right, let me move, let me move the threshold to 35 innings he has 38 and two-thirds actually i'll do 38 innings i'll go as close as i can to his number here and yeah he's easily leading baseball 116 era but he doesn't qualify right now so he doesn't get the little the little signifier on his uh on his bref page i wish we would do that on on our pages by the way i go between i i use all the stat sites our ours is my number one obviously not just because I work here, but because I can find so much great stuff here. But I definitely use B-Ref too. I use Savant. You know, I, I have things that I can get most efficiently that I know how to find on every site. Um, but so, you know, you see the black, the bolded metric on B-Ref, you know that they're leading the league. And if they have bold italics, you know that they're leading baseball. So he would have bold italics on his ERA if he qualified. But Johnny Lester's been great. Um, You know, I still don't fully believe it, obviously, because it's, you know, the strikeouts aren't fully backed up. And you don't believe anybody has a 116 ERA is going to hold in any sort of (laughs) real capacity. But if he gives me a 350 the rest of the way, you're taking that to the bank. Cole Hamels has been good. Jose Quintana has been good. Like I said, four must-starts. Darvish is the one who really needs the attention here. But I'm not going to deep dive it because that's exactly what Nick Pollock and I did 
back on the uh, May 10th fireside chat. So I would I would point you toward that here. And actually, this is going to be one of the teams where we save some time because you have four veterans set it and forget it's, and you have another veteran who's really struggling. He's walking the yard every time there seems to be you know a flash of oh here we go with Darvish. He instantly erases it, and it's been absolutely maddening. So I totally understand those who are moving on from him in shallower league formats right now. Even a, a decent start his last time out against Miami, where he had uh, just one run and one hit allowed in four innings, he still walked six. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're at with Darvish. Let's go ahead and move on to the... Wait. Why wouldn't we go to the... Oh, okay, never mind. I see how they're doing it here. Because this, this chart I'm looking at that has uh, all the rotations and their upcoming starts does CHC for Chicago and CWS for the White Sox, which I do too. So that's why the White Sox aren't next, despite being a Chicago team. Cincinnati is next. And let's go ahead and get into what they've got going on with their rotation. It, it had some intrigue coming into the season. It still carried some of that intrigue. We've seen some things really go well. Luis Castillo, beasting out of his mind. Uh, we've seen some things be mediocre. I think they have five guys of intrigue, though. You, outside of the set it and forget it for Castillo, these other four here, you're considering, right? You've probably thought a lot about them in your 12 and 15 team leagues because a lot of them have probably popped up on the waiver wire at multiple times because they're, they're guys who have been streamed, then they get cut, and then they pop up again. You're like, hmm, should I use them? You know, my opponent used them a couple weeks ago, and we've been kind of bouncing these guys around. So I could see Tanner Roark, Tyler Molly, Sonny Gray, and Anthony Descafani really just kind of bouncing around different leagues. They all have their own bit of intrigue. If you go straight by by something like FIP, you know, an ERA indicator that kind of looks at the underlying skills, then Gray, Roark, and Molly are all pretty interesting. 298, 330, and 355, respectively, for those three. And even Descofani is kind of matching his ERA and FIP at 417 and 425, which isn't too bad. He has the uh, second best strikeout rate of the group, although he's only 0.4 behind Molly, and he has the best swinging strikeout rate of the of the quartet here. We're, again, we're putting Castillo off to the side. He's been excellent. He is somebody you could sell high on. By the way, I'll, I'll, I'll put a quick note in here about Castillo. You could sell high on him. Um, you could absolutely do that and and get him an amazing return. There are some guys who are performing really well that you can't. Castillo's definitely somebody that you can really help your team and get a major piece to kind of set you forward if you want. If that's something that you want to do, I understand that. But otherwise, just keep keep him because he's a fantasy ace. I think based on the time here, we're going to have to do 10, 10, and 10. I'm, I'm adjusting it again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. But I'm just trying to be realistic here, and I, I don't really have time to do two hours today uh, on a solo pod. So we're going to do 10, 10, and 10. That's going to take us up to Detroit today. So we have the rest of Cincinnati here, and then one, two, three, four more teams after that. So um, And then the next two solos will be the other 20 teams split up in 10 apiece. But that means you have two more solos coming up in relatively short order. Because I don't want to do this first one here and then have the third one be done on like June 18th or something, a whole month later. I don't think that that would be that good. So we got three solos coming up in relatively short order. So at least you have that to look forward to if you enjoy these. Back to the Reds here. So who's my favorite of this bunch? Let me go ahead and look at my rankings first and see who I rank the highest, at least on May 1st. And then we'll decide, you know, have I made any alterations to that? So uh, Castillo was 20th, then Gray 58, Molly 78, Descofani 109, 
or, or 108, excuse me. Oh, hang on. I was reading off last month's. I'm a dummy. Those, those were the April ratings. Castillo, 13. Gray, 41. Molly, 81. Desclafani, 108. Roark, 111. So, the patented Paul Spore drink during the solo pod. Um, it's weird that I had that much of a split between Molly, Desclafani, and Roark. With Desclafani and Roark kind of being separated off into the DSS and Molly in the in the SSS, which is shallow spot spot start. I think they're all kind of shallow spot start right now. So those two are going to move up a little bit, and they're all going to kind of live in that 80 to 100 range right now. Gray's probably going to move back to the pack closer to them. I think he's still going to stand out a bit above them, maybe in, into the 60s, 70s range. I don't know. I'm 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 still a little perplexed by him. You look at a 298 FIP, and that's certainly intriguing. But we don't just go off a of FIP. That's not that's not how we operate here. And I think a lot of that FIP is built off of his home run suppression. Uh, he has a .5 homer per nine. Does Sonny Gray, and that's with a 7.7 .7 homer to fly ball rate, which is in half of what he's done the last three years, in half or better. I'm just looking at last year. It was 13. Year before that, 15. Year before that, 18. So. It's the best of his career, and it's one of those things that can just flip um, on a dime with home runs. You give up two home runs in a game, and all of a sudden your homer to fly ball rate's way up, your home run rate's way up. So, you know, Sonny Gray's been a guy who's been a ground ball guy and kept the ball in the yard at his peak pretty well, and then he had the struggle years were certainly related to home runs. So I don't really buy that FIP entirely. But 415 ERA, 121 whip, that... That plays, though, too. And a 25% strikeout rate, but it's not fully back. We see a 9% swinging strike rate. That's a three-year low. So, again, I, I, I come back to the fact that I'm perplexed. 26% chase rate is a is a three-year low. Um, you know, so he's not getting a bunch of chases. Uh, let's see here. He's not throwing it in the zone anymore. His first pitch strike rate's down. I don't know. This... There's a little bit of house of cards to this, and I, I, maybe the house is already imploding because, um, you know, through his first four starts, he had a 2.79 ERA, and we were probably getting excited about him, thinking, okay, here he goes. He puts a a five and a third four run outing against Atlanta, but with nine strikeouts, and you're like, okay, that even that's still pretty good because three of the runs came in the last inning. I don't know if the bullpen gave up any of those. So you're taking a 3.65 through five outings. But then a 502 in his last three with a 10 with a 1.0 strikeout to walk ratio, 10 of each in the 14 and a third. So, yeah, I'm gonna move him down much closer to that group, and those those four are gonna kind of congeal together. They're gonna kind of work as a little bit of a group, and then you're gonna play schedules with them. So let's just look in the short term here, starting on Friday. So this weekend and into next week. Now they have a five start next week, a five game slate next week. Unfortunately. Um, you have LA this weekend and Duscofani, Molly and Roark all get the Dodgers. So that sucks. And then gray ha goes to Milwaukee to open next week. That sucks. And then those same three guys go to Chicago to face the Cubs and that sucks. So the schedule gets really tough for this group here. Castillo's the only one, obviously you have to set it and forget it. The others it's a tough use if you if you are in a streaming situation with them. Now, some of you are going to be in situations where you have to start them. You just you're living with it. You're taking your shot. 
um, you know, you're 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 just hoping that that Molly and Descafani and Gray and them and Roar can survive against those. I think that is. I would. St- I think I'd still go. I'm trying to figure out how I would rank the four right now. Um, I don't. It's really difficult to separate them, especially now that the schedule does nothing for me. I still think Roark is the is the bottom of the group. His whip's been really high this year. He's been kind of surviving with that ERA despite allowing quite a few base runners. Um, so yeah, I'm a little bit more suspect on what he's doing here. Uh, that's Tanner Roark. Because even if you just look in his last, you know, five starts where he has a 3.42 ERA, that's pretty good. But then the WHIP shoots up to 141, and so that's in line with what he did in his first four starts. So it's like it's not like it's weighted down by something early or something late. The WHIP's just been high. So I'm gonna go Roark, the clear fourth of the group, but then splitting Molly, Desclafani, and Gray is really difficult for me. I'm not sure I can really do. It. I think I'll go. Molly, Desclafani, Gray. So Gray's actually going to come down a good bit from May's rankings. The other two are going to jump up a little bit, and they're going to meet in the in the 70s, 80s area. Okay, so that's Cincinnati. Let's move on to Cleveland. Talk about what they got going on. Um, it's not great, Bob. It's not great uh, because Kluber's obviously out. Now, one of their aces has gotten back on track, so that's good. He's kind of you know, covered for the fact that Kluber's been out. We've seen Carlos Carrasco really get back to being Carlos Carrasco. And he's got his ERA down to 418. That just tells you how bad it was because over his last five starts now, he has a 193. Of course, when you allow six earned in two of your first three starts, one of which only goes two-thirds of an inning, that's going to do a lot of damage. That's a lot of damage. Uh, and so then over his last six, like I said, a 193 ERA with 45 strikeouts and just four walks in 37 and a third for Carlos Carrasco. That's fantastic. And so uh, four of those outings have been have been uh, zero earned runs, zero runs in general. They've four, they've been four shutout outings in terms of what he's thrown. Not four shutouts. That's a little mis- a little confusing, but. Uh, shutout outings is that do you even say that though just scoreless outings let's say that sorry i'm stupid uh, we've covered that though but anyway carrasco back on track you were never sitting him i'm sorry even even when it was a struggle you, you don't try to figure it out and be like oh i'm just gonna sit him for this start and wait till he throws a gem nope i do not subscribe to that with guys with proven track records of excellence it just does not make sense to me uh the beebs the beebs is still doing his thing you know he's still he's still been all right. His last start was was kind of a throwback to last year, where he just kind of you know filled the zone, f- gives up four solo shots. Uh, actually, I don't know if they were all solo shots, but it was four homers for five runs. Doesn't walk anybody. Strikes out six and six and a third. So you love the six six to zero strikeout to walk ratio, but I don't know. Maybe don't throw it in the zone so much if you're going to give up four yaks to the White Sox. But uh, you know he's been doing better as far as like. Not just trying to avoid the walk at all costs and and getting himself beaten around the yard. A 7.4 hits per nine. I'll take that all day from Shane Bieber. That plays. So 378 ERA, 109 whip. That's very good. 27% strikeouts. He's been fantastic. So if you bet big on him coming into the season, you're loving what you got. And I've, I've moved him up. I was a little bit more in the skeptical range. I wanted to see something. I wanted to see him be able to 
pitch without just having to fill up the zone and get pushed around the yard for Bieber. And we have seen some growth there, so I've responded in kind. Now, he does have a 1.8 homer per nine, but that's four in one game. You have to be careful on that. That's why we say look at the game logs because, yeah, that's a high home run rate, and he is prone to home runs, so I don't think it's overly misleading. But usually a 1.8, you're thinking, well, is this Josh Tomlin 2.0? No, I mean, because he was toting. Let's just see what Shane Bieber had on his home run rate before that. I think it was still, you know, borderline iffy, but not quite that bad. It was, yeah, it was 1.2, which again, Bieber's going to give up some homers, y'all, because he lives in the zone. He has more control than command, and it can straighten out a little bit. But if there's solo shots, eh, you live. And he doesn't walk, guys, so you, you you don't really foresee the inning where he walks three, loads the bases, and gives up the old grand slam. Uh, you know, that, that's not something that that, uh, that somebody like Shane Bieber is really going to do. So that's Biebs. Trevor Bauer, he's been great. I know I've been actually really in tune with his starts lately, and so they, I know that they've been kind of, kind of, eh, in, in some fashion. Not the most recent one. He had he gave up two unearned runs, struck out 10 against uh, Oakland in Oakland, but then he got pushed around by the White Sox badly and then was pretty met in Miami for what you expect. But the reason I'm so in tune with it is he's on the he's on the cusp of being upgraded to a diamond card in MLB The Show. So they have these live series cards that you use of the player, and they live and breathe with their real-life stats. And it's a uh, common bronze, silver, gold, and diamond. Obviously, diamond being the top-tier players. And it takes a lot to get the diamond. And obviously, he was great last year. But they're kind of on a three-year average, too. So the fact that he was great last year doesn't just make Bauer an automatic diamond coming into this year because you still have to consider a little bit of what he did in 17 and 16. So they're, they're, they're cautious about going to diamonds. He's certainly on the cusp this year to getting diamond, and everyone's kind of invested because you can invest in the cards, and then if they go from gold to diamond, you can cash those in for in-game currency. It's it's super, super nerdy stuff. I know. I, I'm I'm I'm, fan, I'm a fantasy baseball nerd, even when it comes to video games. But please, you're listening to a fantasy baseball podcast. Do not pretend you're a different kind of nerd than that sort of nerd. We're all nerds. It's all great. So anyway, Bauer's been great. He's set it and forget it. Easy peasy. Who I would really like to spend at least a little bit of time on kind of getting to know and figuring out what he's all about is this uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez here. He's been the fill-in now for, for Klubes, and he has a 292 ERA in his four starts, but it's with a 118 whip. There's no strikeouts to speak of. Um, it's a 7% swinging strike rate, so there's no strikeouts coming. It's a 54% ground ball rate, which isn't bad. You know, keeping the ball down can be useful. It doesn't guarantee success, though. I think it's still leaned on a bit too much. Although I will say in this home run era, I'll give it a little bit more credence than I have been in in the last couple years just because I feel like it's been used as a crutch, though, where it's like, oh, he has a 58% ground ball rate. He's going to be good. It's like, well, no, not necessarily. Drink time. Sorry, getting real dry there. Um... But yeah, I mean, I guess that 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 saves him a little bit on some of the other stuff that he does here. But he doesn't he doesn't really limit walks. Jeffrey Rodriguez doesn't. It's an eight percent rate there. That's pretty average. I don't know about this, guys. I'm gonna say I need to see a lot more before I'm gonna buy in. This ERA seems fraudulent as hell. The three ninety two er uh, the three ninety two FIP tends to agree uh, when when they're a run apart. You know, they're when. when a mnemonic device. Or no, I don't think that. An adage. 
with, with regards to FIP and ERA. When they're run apart, you run or else you'll fart. That really broke down on me. I really lost the thread there. I was going to say when they're run apart, you run away, but that, that doesn't rhyme or anything or sound clever. So I went with the fart thing, which was just really stupid. This has this is so far off the rails, and I want to laugh at me myself once again at the notion that I was going to get through 30 teams in one podcast. That's freaking rich. Moving on to Colorado, this will be a quickie here because they pitch in Coors. They just, you know, it's tough to really trust what they got going on. Herman Marquez can can attest to that. He's been amazing on the road, unquestionably, 155 ERA. That's the thing, though. That was kind of my problem, was that he has to be so perfect on the road or else you could be in trouble because he has a 587 at home. 534, excuse me, he improved it. 167 whip. But is a 155 ERA, .62 whip at, at on the road going to last? Are we betting on that? No. Could we bet that the home uh, stats get a little bit better? Sure. I think I think that that's fair to say that a 534 could come down. But what if it's like a 474? And then the road work goes up to, say, 280. You know, I... What what does that what does that add up to? You know what what are we what are we dealing with that? What what did I say? Four seventy four, and then a two eighty. I, I don't even know. I don't think you can just take the two and divide. I guess I'd be if they were equal innings. I guess you could, but you know you're still looking at a high threes ERA, which isn't bad with all the strikeouts. Uh, weirdly, those two numbers that I, I swear I just made up would and you just take them and divide by two. It's a three seventy seven ERA, which is exactly what he did last year, <laughs> which would be great for me though. The reason I was I was out relative to the aggressive nature of the Marquez rankings was I didn't want a guy in the top 25 starters that I have to curate. And I feel like you have to curate his starts and consider not starting him at home. And then you're giving up the volume, which I don't like because he's still been getting strikeouts at home. And it, particularly in like a head-to-head league, yeah, the bottom line. For Roto, sure, you're going to get the bottom line. That's great. But the volatility of the home park still scares me. And what if it's a four, you know, what if a couple extra bad starts on the road all of a sudden uh, boosts his ERA up to like 320 on the road, which is still damn good. But then he still has like a 470, 480 at home. Then all of a sudden, you know, what What do you really, was it worth what it ended up being for Marquez? If, if you're getting like a four, 410 composite with a decent whip and a boatload of strikeouts. To me, that's not a top 25 start. So I don't know. There's been so much consternation over him. For me, it's play, playing out precisely how I thought, which is why I laugh when people try to take victory laps on him. Like, I told you on Marquez, he didn't tell a shit. He's been absolutely terrible at home and brilliant on the road, which is pretty much what anyone thought he could be, even those who were pushing back on him like myself. So anyway, I still, I, I actually still root for Marquez. I don't root against Marquez. I, I, if he if he figures out a way to f- beast at home, great. I'll, I'll say you know what, he figured it out. Look at that. I'll move on and I'll I'll I'll, I'll take the L. The thing of it is though, if anyone thinks that 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 part can be tamed and like, well, he's the one who's going to tame it. I just think the hubris of that is what what makes me laugh. But anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked too much there. Um, you got Kyle Freeland, John Gray, Antonio Senzatella. 
And uh, who's their fifth? Oh, I guess nobody right now. Jeff Hoffman penciled in because Tyler Anderson is nicked or sent down. So they're just kind of – I mean, it doesn't matter because there's not really um, anybody else in this group that you really want right now outside of, of Gray. And, you're, you know, you're spotting him and, and maybe, you know, going with road starts and then decent home outings. He's got a – well, again, he's got a four at home and a four forty on the road. He's he's always been a tough nut to crack. John Gray's been bizarre. I don't know. Maybe you just set it and forget it if the league's deep enough to have him. Kyle Freeland's someone I'm I'm in, I'm curious on because I I kind of thought that he had figured some things out to where he could survive. Not a two eighty two eighty five ERA at all. Not anywhere close to that. But I thought maybe like a three ninety with a decent WHIP and then volume. Uh, but he's been brutal. He's had a really rough start this year. He's toting a 5.68 ERA because it's 7.36 at home and 4.40 on the road. So he doesn't, you know, no protection from the road, and, and then just utter devastation at home. Now, if you want to spot him on the road, I guess for Kyle Freeland, you could do that. But I don't think he's somebody that you really need to hold in many leagues. And the funny thing is, you know, one of his best starts of the year was his last time out where he got a baseline quality start, six innings, three runs, seven strikeouts, but it was at Boston. Who the hell was starting him there? So he didn't even get that start. So right now Freeland's a mess. He's really going to tumble down in my rankings. Uh, I had him at 65 as I usually start. He's not going to be anywhere near a usually start. Uh, I was trying to give him some leeway coming off, uh, coming off last season and he had he had gotten things going a little bit prior to those rankings. He did give up five in Milwaukee, like right before I published those rankings, but it was a bad first inning, and then he really settled down. And the start before that was six shutout at home against Philly. Um, and so I was like, okay, he's getting going. I'll keep him in the usually start. And, you know, that means people can kind of make their decision. The funny thing is the usually start tier is is – uh, the biggest consideration is whether or not you start him in Coors, which is funny because that's where Freeland's home is. So I uh, usually start Rockies pitcher is almost like a spot start uh, in general. And may- maybe I should start to account for that because usually start carries a little bit too much weight for somebody like a Kyle Freeland. So he's going to move down the rankings big time when I update them in June. And uh, I'm not sure you need to have him in 10 or 12 team leagues at all. In fact, I'm sure you don't have to have him there. 15 team I don't even think you need to keep them. If you spot them for like a two uh, two for on the road or something, great. But other than that, you don't you don't need to hang on to them right now. By the way, Herman Marquez gets a two start next week at Pittsburgh and then home to Baltimore. That could be really nice because you get you get to go to Pittsburgh and then you get a weak Baltimore team at home. So that could be a time to get right at home a little bit for Marquez. I'm not even going to bother on the other guys. I'm sorry, Antonio Senzatella um, and whoever's filling in the fifth starter. Just no. Let's move over to the White Sox now. Uh, we got the White Sox, Tigers, and we'll finish up here our first 10-pack. Uh, the White Sox, they continue to intrigue me. I, I've fallen for several of their guys so many different times. I'm currently in a... In a uh, we're texting again. We're not fully dating. We're just texting again, Lucas Giolito and I. He texted the other night. said something nice. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, between Giolito, Raylo... And, and Rodon, who's now currently on the IL, my, my on-again, off-again relationships with these three have been just maddening. We should start a reality show on the White Sox pitchers and, and falling in and out of love with them and you know seeing their talent for what it is and then they, they fall off and you're like, God, why did I fall for it again? Um, but yeah, Giolito's been fantastic. I wrote him up recently 
and I encourage y'all to take a look at that. Just go to his player page. It's the second article down. It says Lucas Giolito is on the radar is the title of the article. And I deep dove a little bit on what he's been doing recently and how he's been trying to figure some things out. And then I, I, I broke down uh, three particular at-bats in an outing uh, against Cleveland where he where he had some walks. Because I feel like despite the walk rate being high, it's a little bit of a calculated walk rate, which I'm actually okay with. Now, 10%, that's a high rate. But if we're going to get something like a Robbie Ray situation where he's going to have these walks... Uh, you know, and kind of clean slate it and then just attack the next guy and maybe get strikeouts because he's up at 30% this year for Giolito. I will take that all day. Um, you know, this is what we talk about with Bieber. And obviously we don't want Bieber walking 10%, but we don't want him to be afraid of a walk when you get into a rough situation against a good hitter when he can beat you. Don't let him beat you on a, on a garbage pitch re-rack and face the next guy and i think we're seeing some of that from giolito so i I think he's an all formats guy right now you kind of ride this out you play the matchups um at least he should be on a roster in every team in every league and not necessarily in the starting rotation if you want to kind of like i said play matchups and and work it that way he gets toronto again this weekend and then he goes to houston so i understand if you're in a 10 teamer you scoop him you start him this weekend and then you and then you you play it safe and don't go with the next start at houston uh on thursday the what what day would that be the 23rd yeah thursday the 23rd i would totally understand that but 15 team 12 team giolito probably already scooped up but if he's not make sure you go check and scoop him up he's doing some interesting things former guy with pedigree got to take a velo back showing some some real interesting stuff uh raylo raylo what am i gonna do with you dude i think he's even trying to show some things again recently let me see what 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 does last few starts look like here for good old raylo so maddening dude he's so i'm i'm getting pissed right now and i haven't even looked at at his stuff and i'm already pissed because i know it's gonna it's gonna anger me because i'm gonna see some things i like and i'm gonna fall for it and then he's gonna give up 42 runs in two-thirds of an inning why did they leave him in and give up 42 i don't know but it's gonna happen yeah last six starts 319 era 41 strikeouts and 36 and two-thirds I cannot wait to fall for this again. And if you were using Raylo and you were actually curating him, let's say you are in a deep enough league and you were just playing the matchups, then you played him against KC. Great. You played him twice against Detroit. Excellent. You would have sat him against Boston when he gave up six earned in five innings, and then you would have played him for the two Cleveland starts. So you'd have even better than a 319 ERA over these last uh, few weeks here, over the last month. Let's see. Let's take off those six earned. So he's down to seven in 31 and two-thirds. You'd have a 199 ERA from him. Like, that's realistic. Sometimes when the, you hear the curation game of like, oh, I would I would start him here. I wouldn't do that. People can get a little liberal with it and be like, well, I would have started him here because I would have felt good about it. It's like, no, you now know the result. We can unequivocally say that you would have sat Reynaldo Lopez for Boston and started him for KC, Detroit, and Cleveland. Detroit twice, Cleveland twice. Because that's why that's why you have somebody like that because of this division. So I feel confident saying that. So continue to play the matchups with Raylo. Um, this was a two-start week. He got Cleveland early. He gets Toronto this weekend. They're terrible. Uh, and then he goes to Minnesota next time out. That's, that's a sit for me right now. 
Uh, I don't think you want to mess with that Minnesota team. They're hitting bombs left and right. Now, Mitch Garver did go on the DL and apparently, IL, and apparently he's a god. So at least they cut out one of the gods in their lineup. But I would still I would still take a seat for that one with Raylo. But I think he needs to be back on the radar in, uh, in just about all formats. I want to see what he looks like in my NFBC leagues in terms of uh, roster rate. Has he already been picked up everywhere? Probably. Yeah, he has. Good, good, good on those folks. Um, I had him in one of the 12 teamers and I cut him a while ago because it was a 12 team. I was burning and churning and he, uh, he started the season horribly, absolutely horribly. 12, 15 ERA in his first three starts. Thanks, Raylo. Thanks for that. Appreciate that. Uh, anyway, yeah, the rest of this team, Manny Benuelos, no, uh, Apparently Ross Detweiler is going to get a two-start next week. L-O freaking L. So is Dylan Covey. And the, the two-start for those two guys is at Houston, at Minnesota. That's hilarious. And then Ivan Nova is also in that rotation. And no, just, just, just no. All right, let's finish it up with Detroit, which, boy, if you had told me at the beginning of the year that I would do something like this pod and I'd be talking team by team, I would have thought Detroit was going to be like five seconds. If the Fulmer injury hadn't happened yet, I'd have been like, okay, I'll probably say something quickly about Fulmer and Boyd and move on. Um, But since it has happened, obviously now I'd be like, oh, well then Boyd and then move on. But it is going to be quick, but we do have two guys to talk about. In fact, I'm not really going to go too deep on Boyd. We've mentioned him a lot on the podcast. The easiest comp that folks are using, which I understand and I would, I would, you know, use it as a a shorthand is uh, a Patrick Corbining. He's kind of Corbining it up this year, really leaning into his slider. He was beat up a bit last time out. No shame in getting trounced by Houston, though. I mean, I really don't see any reason to uh, freak out for any sort of, uh, you know, major reason there. You just say, it was Houston. And it wasn't even a, an absolute, like, devastator. It was three runs in four innings with seven base runners. It wasn't a good start, but it's not a, a, a damaging one that like shuffles your ERA and whip substantially. They got him out before anything really bad could go down there, and he'd been brilliant to that point. Uh, so you just take that one and you move on with Matt Boyd. He gets um, he gets Oakland this weekend, and then uh, Miami next week. Let's go. So that's that's two nice starts in a row. Oakland, they're they're okay, but you're certainly not running away from them and. You're not even running away from anybody with uh, Boyd right now. I, I would have started him in this two-start even with Houston on the docket. He's been too good. He's a set it and forget it right now for Matt Boyd. Matthew Boyd, excuse me. He goes by Matthew now. Uh, and then the other one, Spencer Turnbull. He's the one that we can give some some chatter to. I'll tell you what, man. This has been even better than I expected. And I had a little bit of hope for him to do some things. And, uh, you know... This could still go sideways, right? We're talking about a 2.42 ERA and a 1.21 WHIP, which, by the way, that combo doesn't marry. When you see a combo like that, one of them's going to change. You look at the underlying skills; it's safe to say that the ERA is going to go up. Generally, when you have a combo like that, the ERA is headed upward. But I've mentioned it on the pod before. I wrote him up for the Baseball Forecaster, which means I had to do a deep dive on him and really kind of figure out some things about Spencer Turnbull, and I came in with a little bit of intrigue. I drafted him in a uh, in a 50-round draft and hold, started to pick him up when things went uh, went up early on, and he's held up as somebody that you want to continue to consider here. Now, if you're spotting him and you're not really, you know, Spencer Turnbull is not a set-it-and-forget-it kind of guy. I totally understand that. 
but he's been way more good than bad. Let me let me reel off all the outings that he's allowed more than three earned runs, starting with. Yeah, there aren't any. You thought the podcast cut out, dummy. Boom, I freaking roasted the hell out of you there. None. Zero. What you know about it, Spencer Turnbull, the god. But, uh, you know, again, like I said, the ERA is going to go up here, I, I believe. 362 FIP, that's a good guidepost there. I think you kind of work off of that. Like a 362 ERA, 121 whip combo with 23% strikeout rate, that would be something that I could envision for Turnbull as an upside. Um, if he's more of like a 390 to 420 the rest of the way, that wouldn't surprise me. If you curated out a few of the bad starts and, and he played to that where he was, you know, good against the, the crummy teams and, and lesser against the, the tough teams, then you could you could milk like a 330 out of him. Uh, that sounded weird. Shouldn't say that. But next week, Turnbull gets Miami at home and then a trip to the Mets. That's a good two start. The Mets are no rollovers, but you start with Miami, you get the gem off the top, and then, you know, do well against uh, the Mets and really show us something here. But he's, you know, a little bit of a higher walk rate. I'll take it, though, because he's not allowing too many hits. He gets chases. He does live out of the zone with the breaking balls for Spencer Turnbull. Uh, he's really trying to get guys to chase. If they start to lay off him more, that walk rate can get problematic. So we have to keep an eye on that. He does have four walks in two of his last four starts against two of the tougher teams, too, Boston and Minnesota. But again, I'm going to spin that into a positive and say that he's being smart, Turnbull is, and not trying to get beat by some of the devastating hitters that both those teams have. And instead, understanding, hey, let me try to re-rack here before this, this can really get out of hand if I have to lay a meatball in to J.D. freaking Martinez. Now, I don't even know if Martinez got any of the walks. I just wanted to name one of their uh, one of their better starters. Speaking of starters, it looks like Zach Grinke is leaving with the trainer after seven and two-thirds here. I'm going to turn this up. Pardon me here on this. Oh, he did like a little shimmy. Dude, the littlest thing. They do the littlest thing on the mound, and they're out there. I, I, I credit the trainers and catchers. Catchers are so great at noticing this stuff. He just did like a little shoulder roll, and they came out and got him. I mean, it was seven and two-thirds. Easy to go ahead and take him out say, hey, you had a great one. Let's not exacerbate anything here. Hopefully it's nothing with Granky. I talked about him earlier. He's been fantastic. But anyway, back to Spencer Turnbull. The bottom line is he's been good. You're sticking with him. You're holding him. I really do believe he's an all-formats guy right now. Again, one of those that you don't necessarily start him. When I say all-formats, you don't have to start him every time. We have reserve rosters for a reason. But he should be on a roster somewhere because I don't think that he's been scary enough to be like, oh, I, I can't. You know, uh, I, I got to cut him after after every bad start. Uh, Nick Pollock has something called the Vargas rule. It refers back to when Jason Vargas was good for like a two-month run for no reason. This is not a Vargas rule to me. I am not cutting Spencer Turnbull at the first uh, trouble start. You know, even like a bad one, a six earned in four innings. That That's not an auto cut for me with Spencer Turnbull. He gets an allowance here. He can have a crummy start, and I'm still sticking with him. He strings, you know, three out of four or something, then we start to reassess. But right now, Spencer Turnbull has been a revelation and been really impressive. Uh, I've really been really enjoying what he's been doing. The rest of the Tigers rotation, though, I don't really think I can muster anything up here. Uh, and it's not just because we're coming up on... Uh, you know, hour 20. 
and I should wrap this up. I really can't stretch into talking about uh, who the heck are these guys? Ryan Carpenter, uh, Giovanni Soto. I think that is the former catcher who's come back. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. It's not. That's a joke. It is. It, his name is Gio Soto, though. I think it's Gio, Giovanni. He spells it differently, but I'm fairly certain that that is. Oh, no, it's Gregory Soto. There was a Giovanni Soto in the Tigers farm system, though, so that's why I thought it was him. But this is Gregory Soto. Let me see what Gregory Soto. What are you about, sir? Let me let me click on your profile here. You are about not a whole lot. Called up from Double A as a twenty-four-year-old. No, moving on. Sorry, um, Matt Hall. I don't think so, Tim. There should be more Tims in the league. I would need more. I need more mediocre to crappy pitchers or hitters, I guess, named Tim in the league, so I can say I don't think so, Tim. More often, I want to be able to say that more often. Okay. Um, yeah, this, this Matt Hall is actually. Oh no, he's giving up eleven point four hits. Never mind. I was looking at a strikeout and walk. I was like, eh. no, no, no. And Daniel Norris, I'm just not. I'm just not there with it anymore. I used to have some love for him when it was him and Boyd. And uh, I'm just I'm just not there. By the way, they're showing a replay now of the last time Granky batted. He kind of stretched out his back a little bit and and looked like he was kind of uh, a little tweak a little tweak there. So maybe it's just a little tightness. And they're 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 attacking it before anything can happen there with with Zach Granky. Again, you'll know more by the time you listen to this. But hopefully, it's nothing substantial. He had a brilliant outing today. I think it was eight and uh, seven and two thirds scoreless, just four hits. No walks either. Wow, just four base runners on those four hits, five strikeouts. Hell of an outing for uh, for Grinky. But yeah, with Daniel Norris, I know he has a 363 ERA. I don't buy it. 141 whip tells you what you need to know. There's no strikeouts. I really still think there's a second act here as a reliever. Uh, just pair, pair things down and really kind of figure out if he can be like a one to two inning sort of guy. Maybe get back some of his velo. But I just don't see it as a starter at this point. Go fastball slider in the bullpen. Amp it up. He's only 26. That, I think, is the path for Daniel Norris. So that's going to do it. That's going to be the first 10 teams. Let me count, make sure I did that right. We got Arizona, Atlanta, Baltimore, Boston, White's, uh, Cubs, Reds, Cleveland, Rockies, uh, White Sox, Tigers. All right, first 10 teams there. We'll do 10 more where I'll just go through the rotation. Let me know if you like this first off. I mean, if you hate it, I'm still going to do the other two, but I would like to know what y'all think about this. Just kind of going through each rotation, kind of doing a temperature check, a status check on them, seeing where they're at. We'll do 10 more teams. Maybe I'll record one over the weekend. Um, my girlfriend's mom's going to be in town, so they're going to be doing a lot of stuff, so I'm, my, my weekend's going to be a little bit more open. And so maybe I could put one together on the weekend and then do the third one next week and so that way they're all within kind of a week to 10 day span and like i said i won't be waiting a month to do the last of these so then we'll do houston kc la la miami milwaukee minnesota new york new york and oakland next time out so that'll be a fun one a lot of good teams there and then we'll finish it up with from philly to washington in uh in the final one there so hopefully you guys enjoyed this uh we got a lot coming up though because we did one with justin on monday we got this one Two episodes tomorrow. That's right. Two for doubleheader, day-night doubleheader, and then old uh, old Fireside on Friday should be happening. But if it doesn't, you're still going to have the four-pack this week. So, But I have to check with, with schedules with Nick, make sure that we, we line up properly there. But thank you so much for listening. 
and I will talk to you tomorrow.